You're listening to the Film Festival Secrets Podcast. My name is Chris Holland. Sherry Candler is the Director of Digital Marketing Strategy for a group called the Film Collaborative. And the Film Collaborative started in about 2010, and they're a nonprofit organization that offers uh, a bunch of resources for independent filmmakers. Uh, they do education, they have services, they can act as your uh, distribution agent in some cases, or what's commonly called a, a sales rep. Uh, they help with theatrical releases, they help with higher distribution, they'll even help you negotiate or at least uh, analyze contracts that are before you and uh, if you happen to get some offers from a distributor, uh, which is all really interesting stuff. Um, and Sherry uh, came to the Atlanta Film Festival and said, you know, I'd love to do some classes for your filmmakers. So she's going to be holding a webinar on October 20th um, that goes in-depth about distribution, including what's selling and what isn't, the various platforms that are out there, both digital and sort of traditional DVDs, since some of that still exists, and the tools you need to create a significant launch for your film. And she's also going to talk about other revenue options that there might be for your movie um, based on its subject matter or other uh, interesting things and, and what your special interest group uh, is likely to buy. So the webinar is for filmmakers at every stage of production, uh, since ideally you should be thinking about your film and its marketability even as you start pre-production. You can jump in no matter where you are in your, your production and anywhere on the internet that you can get a decent web browsing experience, you can join us. Uh, please go to atlantafilmfestival.com slash classes where you will find all of our classes that are on offer and specifically this one which is called Distribution is 100% Achievable, Just Not in the Way You Think. Today I'm going to be talking to Sherry about the three questions you need to answer about your film to prepare it for whatever distribution lies ahead of it. So Sherry, what's the first question filmmakers need to ask themselves about their film? One of the first questions you need to ask yourself really starts well before uh, you get to the distribution phase. It's whether there's a market for the film that you're making. Um, there's so much information out on the internet today, so many people doing um, interviews on, in video, writing up. Uh, text, um, uh, seminars that they've given at film festivals, talking about what kind of titles are hot, what elements need to be in a film in order to get a meaningful release, either from a distributor or from an aggregator or digital distributor. Um, that, that There's really no excuse now to head into production without a clear idea of who's going to watch the film and how the film's going to be distributed. Got it. Yeah, I've definitely seen a few films from, I want to say, Sun, not Sundance, uh, South by Southwest 2008, 2009 that are just now hitting DVD. And I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that distributors just didn't know how to market those movies. Right. I mean, 2008, 2009 was really a tough year for uh, independent film distribution. A lot of companies went out of business. A lot of money started going out of that business. So people became afraid for what they should pick titles up for. They weren't sure if they were going to be able to recoup their money. Um, and it really hasn't gotten too much better 
since then. Um, the availability of titles, just the deluge now of so many films being made, so much competition out there that even sales agents are having a, a tough time doing comparables and um, estimating what they think the income levels are going to be on films. So uh, it's very important to evaluate the story that you're going to tell and see if you can take figures from at least two years don't go back more than three because it really won't indicate, you know, going forward um, what were the income levels from those kind of titles. And is it reasonable to think that the film you're making is going to uh, be able to recoup? So what I'm hearing from you is, is that even if you get into festivals and play quite a few of them, that might not be as much of a bearing on your film's prospects for distribution as you might think or hope. Yes, there are very few film festivals in the United States where pickups from distributors are going to be a reality. Um, and those are the major ones that you can, you know, think of. Everybody knows Sundance being by far number one. Um, South by Southwest is another. Tribeca is another. Um, in some ways, L.A. Film Festival is another. Uh, but it's the only way to get distribution out of a film festival is to be in a film festival where distributors come to to attend. And, and look at what's available. Now, there are niche festivals as well, horror film festivals, Jewish film festivals, LGBT film festivals like um, Outfest or Frameline that are very important to that niche where a pickup is likely. But uh, any other smaller regional festivals, you're doing something different when you're participating in those. It's not being, a pickup is not what you're looking for. It's an audience build and publicity build in regional press, and you're really in distribution. Um, so we're gonna talk a little bit about that in the in the webinar. Um, you know, where how do film festivals fit into your overall distribution strategy? That sounds awesome. So tell me the, the second question you need to ask yourself as you're heading into distribution. So if we know now that a decent pickup is getting exceedingly rare, meaning that you're going to get an MG in advance, minimum guarantee or in advance, uh, for the rights of your film that will make your film whole, meaning it pays back the production budget, um, those are getting fewer and farther between. So you have to decide, if I turn down a no advance or a minimum guarantee of $10,000 when I made my film for $250 or a million dollars. Um, if I'm going to self-release, what does that take? And do I have the resources to do that? If I want my film to have a meaningful release and I'm gonna have to be the one to do it, what do I need to have in place? What kind of team do I need to have in place? And how much is that gonna cost me? And will that recoup? Um, and we're going to talk about that as well in the webinar of what um, what elements you need to have in place, what team members you need to have, how you need to structure that release. Um, always have it as a backup plan because you may hope to get into one of these major festivals and get a, a big pickup, or you may hope to get into a niche festival and get a pickup that will make you whole. But if you don't and you haven't put anything aside, you're kind of dead. You, you have to take one of those bad deals because you have no other choice. You don't want to be in that position. If you're a smart producer, you want to have options open and you want to build as much leverage in so that when you do get some offers, you have some ways to push back. You don't have to take the paper being slid across the table at you. You can be able to negotiate because you know what you have and you know that it has value. But if you can't get them to budge, you can't walk 
if you don't have any other options. Gotcha. How, uh, how high would you say the, the clued in level is among filmmakers in any particular year? Are the majority of them out there really not all that tuned into to what distribution really means or are, are people pretty savvy as far as that goes? Unfortunately, I'm finding that they are still not very savvy. I think that it really starts at the film school level, that a lot of um, faculty teaching and things like that are from people who have been out of the business for a while or remember it a bit differently, you know, five years ago than it is now. You really have to be keeping up with the trends. You really have to be um, studying the, what's happening in the market. And a lot of producers are very focused on making work, but they're not very focused on distributing work or releasing work, and they don't understand all the ins and outs. And you know what? It's not really their fault because the distribution is kind of um, – uh, um, obscured. Uh, I don't think that many people want uh, creators to know what happens with their films, how their rights are distributed, how the money flows, how many different companies are involved in distributing a film and all of them take cuts and all of them have to be paid and, and how much money is really flowing back to the people who are creating it and the investors who put money into it. Um, so uh, part of what I do, what we do at the Film Collaborative is try to make that much more transparent and teach people that these are the things you need to watch out for. These are the deals that you need to really closely examine. What does it mean when somebody says their film was acquired? A lot of times that term is used even for service deals. A service deal is when you pay a distributor to distribute your film. So that money is coming out of your pocket wholly. Um, they aren't acquiring your film. They're not taking rights and paying you. You're paying them. Um, so that's necessary to know. Uh, and I think that um, there's a lot of confusion in the market still, and people are not as educated as they need to be. So how did you get educated? What, what led you to uh, sort of get in the know about this business? One is um, reading everything I can get my hands on, because when I started uh, paying attention to this business, I, I didn't come from the film industry at all. I didn't come from a studio. I didn't come from a big distributor. Really, I came from the marketing side of it around 2008, 2009. I always had an interest in film. But I started to see how the Internet could benefit filmmakers in working with a small local film festival and meeting them and saying, well, what are you going to do with this work? Now that there are a lot of companies going out of business and these films are made really low cost and lots of them are being made, there's this thing called the Internet and this thing called social media and you can find audiences that way and you can distribute films via YouTube now and uh, other platforms that were coming up that were starting to distribute video on Online, how can you take advantage of that? And hardly anyone was looking at it at the time. So I really devoted a lot of my time to talking with people who were knowledgeable and finding out uh, myself, you know, how would I use this? How, and everything that I do is still an experiment. You know, I put something up and go, well, I think this is going to work based on this, but we won't know until we try it. Um, and some things turn out well, and some things were like, mm, next time we won't do that. Uh, but it, it's, uh, you know, a, a constantly evolving um, uh, industry and nobody really knows exactly what's going to happen. And what works for one film isn't going to work for another film. And so, 
it's just devoting a lot of my time to researching, talking to different people, talking to people who are in the know, talking to people who are in other industries, music, book publishing, um, you know, art in general, that kind of thing, nonprofit companies. Um, what are they doing to draw an audience to them, to their work so that they can be more profitable themselves? Got it. So let's uh, let's get to that third question. What's the third thing a filmmaker needs to ask him or herself? So if you sure, if you go into uh, thinking, okay, I do need to figure out my own distribution plan if that uh, great deal doesn't come my way. How should I structure my release? Um, do I need to have a theatrical? Um, maybe contractually you have to have a theatrical because your star in your film says it in their contract. Um, do I want a, a theatrical because of my ego, that it's only a real movie if it plays in a theater? Um, do I want it because I want industry attention and they will pay more attention to a film that gets a theatrical release than a film that doesn't? Um, but should maybe I do a day and date? Should you release in a theater? and uh, online. For some theaters, they have policies against films that are also available at the same time. So you have to think about how are you going to structure that release. You may have to turn be turned away from some theaters because you can't access them. Um, uh, should you go straight to digital and just eschew any kind of festivals or um, theatrical release? They have their own problems with that. A lot of publications don't cover films that go straight to digital without a theatrical release. So you may be giving up some press coverage if you if you go straight to digital. Um, so you have to know as well, what are the repercussions of each one of these decisions? Because when you go down one path, you are going to close doors on other paths. And sometimes those doors were never there, you know, holding out for a broadcast deal for a film that really isn't attractive to a broadcaster is not a good idea. You can, you can, you know, sort of know from the start, this is not going to be broadcast material. We don't need to hold a window open for broadcast, um, but maybe your film is, you know, so you kind of have to know what you have and the best ways to release it. And there is no one path to doing that. So let's talk a little bit about broadcast. Um, what are some red flags you would say that sort of indicate to a filmmaker that his film is probably not uh, for broadcast? Broadcasters like to have um, timely material, but also, and this is particularly true for documentaries, they want to have a documentary that covers some issue that's timely but hasn't been done to death. So, you know, I was thinking of the other day an example of Detropia that came out, you know, last year, talking about the Detroit uh, economics and things like that. It was pretty well-covered film, and it did get picked up um, for broadcast. But since then, I've heard of two or three other documentaries that want to cover that same topic. The chances of them picking up a broadcast deal is very small to almost nothing because that film covered it, you know, so they're hitting at the wrong time to get a broadcast deal. Um, another one is that uh, you need to have some kind of mainstream appeal. A broadcaster wants to hit the broad spectrum of people, and if you have a very niche topic of very small topic that not too many people are interested in, the chances of your being picked up for broadcast are limited. Also, broadcast calendars are usually locked about a year in advance. So if you hit at the wrong time with your film coming out as a release, they may have already filled up all their slots. This happened with uh, the documentary that I worked with last year, the Joffrey film uh, about um, ballet. I want to stop here for a second and apologize for the audio quality in this episode. It was right about here that Sherry's web connection dropped out. 
and we had to reconnect by telephone. So you're going to notice the change in the audio quality of her voice. But I also didn't realize until after the recording that the mic I was using was being way too sensitive and was picking up every tiny sound in the room, including the sound of me breathing. Uh, so it's been a while since I've done this podcasting thing. I want to thank you for sticking it out with me while I relearn how to do it. Uh, let's jump back into our conversation with Sherry. Often with broadcast deals, it depends on where you are in their programming calendar. Sometimes they fill up their slots for the next year's programming a year in advance. So the time when your film is starting to come out and be uh, premiered and, and get some buzz may be the wrong time for a broadcaster to pick up a title and slot it in for next year. Uh, so you may be passed over um, at that time. We had this situation where our Joffrey film came out in January and we were told that they had already uh, put in all of their slots for the American Masters series, which is where we thought we would fit in the best with that film. Um, however, we found out as it moved into summertime, American Masters starts around um, November and runs through into the next year. Um, they must have had uh, a, a film drop out or they opened up a new slot, but somehow they found space for the film to be picked up and put into that slot. But previous to that, we had assumed that the broadcast um, where we thought that film would fit in best was not going to be a possibility for us. But also there's, there are situations where um, niche, very niche films that don't have mainstream appeal are not appealing to broadcasters because they're trying to hit that wide spectrum of people. Um, so if your film does not have names in it, it does not have big accolades, it does not have critical buzz, going on around it, it's not attractive to a broadcaster that needs to have that kind of accolade in order to uh, attract an audience for it on television. So not all films, not all independent films are going to be candidates for broadcast. Yeah, I think it's an interesting distinction to make between the artistic viability of a film and the uh, festival viability and distribution viability. Uh, you know, right in the wake of Katrina, especially like two or three years after there, there were tons and tons of films about um, the various after effects of Hurricane Katrina. And I was working at the Austin Film Festival at the time, and we'd get all kinds of complaints that, why didn't you accept my film about stranded animals or des uh, deserted houses or whatever after Katrina? Don't you know how important this cause is? Don't you know how great this film is? And well, yeah, but we saw that already. Like we had that film and our audience doesn't particularly want to see a string of, you know, films about a, a disaster. So you've got to keep that in mind. Right. And, uh, and one of the ways to look at that is to look at what's coming out on the festival circuit in general. I mean, all the major festivals, even smaller festivals, regional festivals publish the titles that they're going to be showing this year. If they have some pretty big films that are about the topic that your film is, you might want to rethink that topic because by the time your film comes out, that topic will be done. You know, people will be moving on to something else. So um, so if you're making something that's extremely timely, you have to be super quick. I mean, you can see that there are several films that have uh, been made about the Occupy movement. Now, in some ways, the films are going to outlast the Occupy movement because it kind of, you know, was not something that has gone on to be long-lived. Um, but there was a film at Sundance last year that uh, was about that. And then, but I have seen several other films since then that were smaller 
that we're all about that or some aspect of that. And they can't all get uh, the same kind of attention. So that is a danger of doing something that's really timely and not getting it out quickly enough, being one of the first ones to, to come to market with it. Because if you're slow, there are going to be a lots of other ones that you're going to have to follow. Gotcha. Well, uh, it sounds like your uh, seminar coming up later in the month is going to be uh, extremely informative to anyone, um, no matter what uh, stage of pre-production or production or post-production they're in. Well, I hope so. I hope that um, we'll be talking enough about uh, numbers, revenues, um, costs, you know, how much does it cost to, to hire a booker? How much does it cost to hire a publicist? How much does it cost to have a theatrical release? Um, how much does it cost to access some of these aggregators and get onto some of these digital platforms? We're going to cover all those things in this one area. Yes, you could spend several hours, several days, several weeks online trying to find this information, or you can just come and spend an hour with me and hear all the information that I've already done for that work um, in one place and ask your, your personal questions about your own project. Sweet. Uh, this sounds like great access to uh, somebody who really knows the business. Sherry, I appreciate you taking the time with me to, to come share your three questions. Yes, thanks for having me, and I hope to hear from a lot of other people on the 20th. Uh, absolutely. All right. We will talk to you again soon, and uh, thanks a lot. Great. Thanks. Bye. Sherry Candler is the Director of Digital Marketing Strategy for the Film Collaborative. She'll be hosting that webinar on October 20th at 4 p.m. And you can sign up for that at atlantafilmfestival.com slash classes. My name is Chris Holland. This has been the Film Festival Secrets podcast. You can find me at filmfestivalsecrets.com. And you can find me on Twitter at FFSecrets. See you next time.